Well, after 35 years working in public galleries as a curator and as an art historian, uh, for Christina Barton's last show as director of Wellington's Adam Art Gallery, Tidying Up sort of became part of the art. Barton became a live performer in the gallery itself, leading a bit of an archiving project. They were sorting material from her office of 28 years, working out additions to the collection of the New Zealand Art Research and Study Centre at Te Waka, Victoria University. Tina Barton's career has afforded somewhat of a rare overview over changes in New Zealand contemporary art and given her a chance to be part of shaping it. And indeed, in 2021, she became a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit, acknowledging her great services to the arts. Kia ora, Tina, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a great honour to have you here. And wow, it must be amazing looking back on all, all of those years. And you've actually had this kind of active position of actually really literally physically going through everything. Yes, opening boxes, finding things that I'd completely forgotten I'd done or, you know, uncovering all sorts of treasures. It's been a real insight into um, the time that I've spent working and um, the real challenge is to know quite what to do with it all. <laughs> well, and, and you've been live in the gallery, essentially. It's almost like I know you're, you've had such a deep interest in so-called post-object art and the kind of environment of doing things beyond painting and sculpture and live action. You, you almost kind of put yourself into that history, right? I guess so. I mean, one of the things that I've recognised through the work that I've done is that, you know, I'm a product of a pre-internet era. So I have generated a lot of paper. Um, I have got um, copies of things. I I have an inclination to enjoy the materiality of, of documents. And so I've accumulated stuff. And that stuff, to me, holds something that I can't quite put my finger on. Yeah. It's not just the information that's there. It's actually the typeface that's used, the, the, the way in which it's been presented that conveys something about the time. And I've, I started my career as a research assistant at the Auckland Art Gallery where I was filing newspaper clippings and labelling slides and I think it's there that I acquired this fascination for and delight in the the materiality of, of the documentation that surrounds art mm. and I've always thought that that has uh, a particular role to play in enabling us to understand art in a, in a deep and um, uh, in a deep sense that shifts us a little bit away, I suppose, from the the fascination we have with the actual artwork as this precious thing that then circulates within a market. I've yeah. always liked working outside of that paradigm. It's interesting you talk about that shift from the physical. I mean, I think uh, someone was talking to me about the fact that uh, perhaps it was even you that, you know, pre- COVID, you know, all of the galleries were still sending out exhibition invitations and you would kind of have this archive. It's been a big shift. I mean, do you worry? I mean, I think in the back of my mind, I slightly worry that we we kind of lose something with the digital environment in terms of how we archive and remember things. Well, it's a big challenge, isn't it? I think particularly about uh, correspondence. You know, letter writing was a thing that I started my career undertaking and right through the era, you know, between 
typing letters and putting them in envelopes to using fax machines. Yes. We actually produced um, copies of those letters and then email arrives. And I'm thinking about all of the correspondence that I've had with artists that, that, that I don't have physically in oh, my possession. Right. And I think um, the, the, the way in which we treat email is very different from the way in which we composed a letter. So we're not printing out, you're not printing out your email correspondence with artists over recent years then? In recent times, I just haven't had time. I think (laughs) it's all there in some sort of crazy um, uh, archive in my my computer, but (laughs) I've still got to actually do something with that to find it, because there are threads and conversations that I would love to hold on to. It's, it's 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 really interesting. So in a way, you began in a library and in a library as a librarian, and here you are, sort of almost compiling one. The the, the New Zealand Art Research and Study Centre that you're that yes. you're contributing to here. What 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 is that? Well, it is nothing more than a room that is adjacent to the Adam Art Gallery offices, where we have a collection of books, catalogues, journals, um, and the um, artist files, exhibition files, and accumulated materials that have been given to us over the years. So none of it has been purchased. All of it has been given to us. Some of it relates to the work of the Adam Art Gallery, but a lot also relates to the art history program, which we have been closely aligned with. So we have papers left um, by Jenny Harper, who was the inaugural um, Associate Professor of Art History at Victoria University. We have papers that, were, uh, that we've held on to that belong to Roger Blackley, who sadly passed away a few years ago. We have materials given to us by past students and by collectors um, and colleagues in the art world. And we've held on to this material because... Of course, we believe it has a certain kind of value. We don't have the resources to catalogue it. We don't really even have the space to accommodate it properly. So it it sounds like a very grand enterprise, but it's actually, (laughs) there's a promise there. There's a hope that we will be able to do something with it and hold on to it because I think it it will enable us to uh, materialise our memories. It will also help us engage students in a very active form of learning where they can do hands-on research in ways that extend them beyond the digital realm that they are so familiar with. Yes, and I'm I'm kind of interested in the way that then comes out to a, a wider public. I was thinking back... 36 years back to 1987 when you started. If we think back 1987, 36 years, we're in the 1950s. And it it, it strikes me that the publication around New Zealand art from the 50s through to 1987, there's a lot. There were a lot of books. There's a lot around painting and sculpture. But this, this whole era that you've been collecting material around and archiving, curating, we don't have the same amount of history, public history, in in terms of telling our history to me. Would you agree with that? Well, I think in some ways art publishing is continuing and there are a lot of books that are being produced. Um, I think they are of a certain kind. So, you know, an important artist will get a monograph, which, which is, you know, focused on their practice. 
Galleries are very good at producing exhibition catalogues that are associated with uh, exhibitions that they've undertaken. And there are general books, but if you look at, um, you know, a, a good library of New Zealand art, uh, you will find that there are no uh, histories of art in general. There are histories of painting, there are histories of sculpture, there are histories of photography. There are histories of um, design, furniture, architecture, but where is the synoptic study of the culture as it's evolved, and where are the yes. the, the the ambitious storytelling? Yes, they existed, and um, you have to go back to find them. I'm thinking of Gordon Brown and yes. Hamish Keith's introduction to New Zealand painting, which is still sort of held up as something uh, of a model, but also something to criticise and unpack. I'm thinking of maybe Hamish Keith's book, The Big Picture. But where, what other ones actually are there? And I'm thinking that, you know, what we've been, it, because it gets the high profile, we've been at the Venice Biennale with our own pavilion since, well, we won't be next year, but mm. there's a side since 2000. But, you know, you think of the Simon Denny work and it's you know, look at the five eyes, or even the, the 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 wonderful exhibition you had the Adam Art Gallery, the personal effects of Kim dot com. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Lisa Rayhana's work of the donkey and the dunny kind of controversy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the carved piano of Michael Karakulfa. It's not for lack of material to create an incredibly thing, incredibly rich history that shows us how vital contemporary art is in our society. Yes, I think art history has. Um, is a very sort of reflexive discipline. It's always criticising itself. And there was a moment in the 70s and 80s where the idea of the grand narrative was um, criticised and um, art historians backed off the idea that they could tell the grand story of art in a particular culture or even a world art history. And what they did was retreat into sort of micro-histories that allowed them to delve deeply into particular areas without the hubris of taking on um, uh, a a big-picture story. Now, I understand that that's a valid criticism to make, and I'm not suggesting that we need one big story to account for New Zealand art history, but it seems to me that we need lots of stories, and we need to be constantly reflecting on uh, uh, producing stories that serve us well in the present, because, of course, historical reckoning is always undertaken from a particular point in the present, and we need stories that serve us in the present. And I think the stories that exist in the literature that's out there uh, are, are in some considerably dire need to be revised and, mm. and rethought. At the same time, I mean, I'm thinking back, you've got 27 years the Adam Art Gallery opened. Uh, I think you were at the Art History Department when it started and uh, and then took over as director. That's correct? I've got my, I've got my well, dates. Well, we've been, the, the gallery's in its 25th, Fifth year, twenty fifth year. Sorry, right. And I've been, and then the art history program. You know, they did teach art history through the English department um, 
as a not as a full degree course so it wasn't until the early 90s i think 92 93 that art history became its own um had its own major and then developed uh as a program all the way up to phd mm. i guess i'm thinking that back to when the adam art gallery which is will come to as an mm. incredible building i mean we in the late 90s there was Partica. Uh, I think the Gus Fisher grew in Auckland. Art space had grown. Object space has been with us to Uru to Tui. We've actually got this amazing plethora of galleries now. So it's not been for a lack of gallery building projects or a development of spaces to exhibit, has it? Uh, no, and I think all of those smaller galleries are doing incredible work. So, um, so what does the Adam Art Gallery do, do you think, within that kind of constellation of galleries? Well, I think the fact that it's a university gallery is an absolute advantage because we can undertake projects that are thoughtful and critical and intelligent and uh, pitched to um, audiences in a way that doesn't require us necessarily to be popular. Of course we want people to come and see the shows. Of course we want attention. Of course we want to well, we want an impact. But we can be a little bit more speculative, a little bit more risk taking and being on a campus where there are so many other subjects being taught, we can draw yeah. on the expertise of other disciplines and we can use art as a kind of crucible for thinking across disciplines. We've always, we always thought of the gallery as a kind of platform which took people out of their comfort zones of their own particular disciplines and used art as a catalyst for thinking and for communication. It's wonderful. This uh, this idea of the gallery as an experimental space and, and, and holding on to that is is something that the gallery's done really well. It's a remarkable building. I mean, even calling it a building seems wrong. It's a kind of a, a series of chambers descending a hill designed by Athfield Architects. It, it must have been an extraordinary journey for you because it's almost like you have been the designer of, of, of playing or playing with this incredible set of shapes down the hillside. Abs- I mean, I was there as the architects were commissioned and I remember Athfield's first plans where he showed us um, these lo- the long, thin galleries, which are the Chartwell galleries, and we, we literally paced out four metres, which was the width of those galleries, and thought, how can you do a gallery of those dimensions? Uh, of course, he was proven right, um, <laughs> and we've had such fun playing with those spaces. I have to acknowledge, of course, that um, the gallery opened in 1999. I didn't take up the directorship till 2007, so there were two directors prior to me who did enormously important work in, in setting out the agenda of the gallery, particularly Zara Stanhope, who set up all the policies, you know, help the, sh- the, mm. the gallery open. Now, now at the Govett Brewster in Now Plymouth. at the Govett Brewster. Mm. And then Sophie McIntyre, who came over from Australia and did some good work expanding the program, especially into the sort of Asian region that was her specialty. So, you know, there have been um, three directors. I was there for a very long time, which, you know, I, I feel partly sort of, embarrassed by because especially when you think of the churn of the way in which people move jobs but I was also proud to have actually you know stuck with it and done something that um, 
you know, what an opportunity to actually build a program over those years and follow, see things um, evolve and follow things through. It was a, an absolute privilege to to work in those difficult spaces and to um, invite artists to explore them. And I think those invitations to those singular artists who use the whole space, I'm thinking of Simon Denny, I'm thinking of mm. Kate Newby, I'm thinking of Ruth Buchanan, mm. Willis Thompson. Um, by giving them the opportunity to play with those spaces, I think it, it really did um, give them a lift and a boost and they extended themselves. And, you know, I'm particularly proud of those solo shows that showed yes. off their work so brilliantly. Yeah, I'm thinking of Kim Peters as well, like a painter who normally would be in a very small little gallery with her mm-hmm. paintings, but then she can actually use her projections. You know, she's done a lot of work in, in the video area as well as give those paintings space. It's amazing. Look, it's a very exciting time, it strikes me, for contemporary art. It, the, the the diversity, this kind of breaking of the sense of, of a kind of a Western art canon in, in different ways. And I was reading an essay you wrote for Art Now in 2021, I think, really around this sense that there was a system that's had inequities and that everything is moving into new shapes in a way of possibilities, mm. which is, is really quite exciting, I think, isn't it, for art history? It, it is. And I think because where these changes are underway, it is an even stronger reason for a certain kind of critical accounting so that we understand where we've come from and we understand the particularities of our moment. So we need good commentary. We need good accounting that looks across the spectrum of culture. And that's where I'm, I am I do feel that there's more that could be done. I mean, there's a lot of art mm. writing underway and responses to things as they're happening. But, you know, the, 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 it seems to me that... Um, the culture is bifurcating. There's this lovely diversity and recognition of people who've been excluded and opening up to indigenous and queer and women's voices, a real reckoning with our past. And on the other hand, we have this buoyant market yes. that is still uh, um, sort of reproducing a model of art, which is all about, you know, it's its financial value, its monetary worth, that is um, really wedded to painting as uh, the premium yes. medium, yes. Uh, which has no place um, for the difficult, uh, critical, uh, temporary, installational, site-specific practices that I've championed my whole career. And it strikes me that that skews um, a public sense of art's value away from the complexity of the actual work being produced in the scene at the moment towards, um, you know, a lineup of names. Yes, the Bill Hammonds, the McCanns, the yeah. Walters and so forth. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us, Christina. And I, I wanted to ask you what you're up to next, because I know you won't you'll be keeping busy. Well, I've been... Um, I've left my position. I'm two weeks into my my next phase. Uh, I feel like there's so much unfinished business. You know, like I've been so delighted with the feedback that I've got uh, from people who've acknowledged the contribution that I've made. But my sense is that I'm 
sort of on the brink of a next phase and I'm excited by the prospect of doing things differently, independently, without a steady income. Um, and according to my own devices, I, I really want to do what I love most, which is working with artists and working with art and thinking about it and hopefully generating more writing, facilitating the production of more critical accounts of the of of um, New Zealand art. Um, I really feel I know we live in a in a global era. I know that um, uh, the idea of New Zealand art has been to some extent um, tested and challenged as we uh, acknowledge the limitations of a nationalist rhetoric or um, the kind of um, hegemonies of, you know, accounts of painting or whatever. But I still absolutely believe that we have something very specific in this culture and that if we aren't developing the talents of people to account for this culture, something will be lost. So mm. I want to put my hand up to do some more writing. Oh, kia ora. Thank you, Tina. Thank, they, they, I really appreciate that. Thank you for joining us today. That's Tina Barton, former director of the Adam Art Gallery.